This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Here now are Mac Rosenberg and Mike Watts. It is a week two edition of One-on-One's NFL Friday, WFUVsports.org. Welcome to the show, everybody. Mac Rosenberg, Mike Watts with you for the next hour here on WFUVsports.org. Check out the podcast in iTunes every Friday. And Mike, ready for week two in the NFL. Yeah, I'm stretching out. I'm doing arm circles. Start small, <laughs> a small, go large. There you go. Slowly but surely. And uh, who's giving the opinionated analysis that was mentioned in the open? I think it's, I think Is it's, that us? it's both of us. Yeah, I think that's our job here. Okay. I'll try. <laughs> I will see how it works out. Busy show for you today. Giants and Jets, obviously. Eric Malo and Joe Vitiello, respectively, will take us through the world of both of our New York teams here. We'll preview both upcoming games. Of course, both teams now playing on Sunday this week. Uh, later on, we're going to talk about the Packers and Bears from last night. Jay Cutler, really, really rough game last night. Really bad. Really bad. Uh, Clark Judge, CBS Sports NFL columnist and member of WFUV, will join us. Is he? To talk about the Packers and the Bears and all things NFL. Yes, he is. Even before I knew he started coming on this show, he is my favorite columnist on CBS Sports. That's my go-to. So There you go. I'm excited. You are, and, and so are we. We'll, we'll talk a little fantasy. We don't have Steve Seminary here this week, uh, but... Me and you, will will see what we can do to fill that void. I'm sure it'll be fun. Uh, and then, obviously, the weekly picks. Uh, we, we we have Julian Atienza and Nick Legerfo on the other side of the glass helping us out today. And they will get, for the first time this year, their picks in. They will We have their picks, so they will be part of the standings. Let's just go over the standings real quick okay. before we get to the All Giants. Right. Uh, I went 1-4 and four last week, Ooh, of course. Huh. Uh, we both picked the Jets to just get crushed. Um, Oops. And uh, the one game that I picked right was the Falcons over the Chiefs, which a lot of people had the Chiefs winning. You went 3-2 and two and looked pretty good. And, of course, the result of our weekly game, how many points will the Rams and Browns lose by combined? Well, five. Only five last the week. The answer was five. And, and, <laughs> and I answered, and, I think, 37. Yeah, I, I think I said 38 or 39, something like uh, that. Didn't you say the Browns? What did you say? I said Browns 25, 25, Rams 14. So that makes 39. Okay, yeah. and, of course, the Browns lost by... One. <laughs> okay. Opinionated analysis. There it is. There it is. Let's get to some Giants talk. Remember February 2012? Some snow, cold weather, and a Giants Super Bowl victory. It's pretty easy to forget the latter after a week one loss to Dallas to kick off the season. Now, the Giants find themselves in an early season hole with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town this weekend. Too early to call it a must win? Maybe. But the Giants understand they'd be in deep trouble starting the season 0-2, and head coach Tom Coughlin acknowledged how the Bucks are coming into this game after looking sharp week one. They're a good team. They're a fast team. They did well in free agency. They drafted well. All three of those top kids are all starters on their team. And, uh, you know, they, they seem to be playing the, the way that they want to play. The G-Men know they have to improve this Sunday. Their running game has been a concern dating back to last season, But the neutrality of their defensive line and an inconsistent play of their wide receivers from their Week 1 loss was just as troubling. Tampa's promising young defensive front and their electric rookie running back, Doug Martin, will only make it more difficult for the G-Men. And it leaves New York with a few questions to answer. Will they be able to keep Tampa's rushing game in check? Can they get to Tampa quarterback Josh Freeman? And will the New York offense find any consistency in both the passing and running games? I think they may struggle to find their running game early this season. 
but I do have confidence in the veteran Giants against a young Tampa team. Eli Manning will have another strong performance, and the defensive line will come to life. My prediction? The Giants will take their Week 2 matchup in the Meadowlands 27-14. For the sake of Giants fans, hopefully they prove me right. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV Sports. And many thanks to Eric Malo giving us our weekly Giants report. Keith Rivers doubtful, Hakeem Nix questionable, and uh, it was a nice report by Eric. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm going to go ahead and disagree with what he said at, at the top of that report. This is a must-win game for the Giants. Well, can can we stop before we get into yes, the Giants and just say this music selection was very tasteful? It was very nice. I, I was music. enjoying that, but please continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to jump in just for that, but I really did. There you go. I did. There you go. Of course you did. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, I believe it's a must-win, and I'm going to tell you why. The competition, the level of competition this year in the NFC East, uh, we saw it in Week 1. It's very high. Very, very high. Could be the highest that it's been in, in a few years uh, even the Redskins came to play, and obviously the Redskins, you know, uh, and most people still are predicting them to be at the bottom. But the level of competition in that NFC East is very, very high. Level of competition in the NFC in general this year is going to be very, very difficult for the New York Giants to overcome if they do not beat the Buccaneers. Yeah, and must win game. I, honestly, I couldn't agree with you more because if you fall into an zero and two hole. There, I don't really have expectations for the Giants to make the playoffs if they fall behind that much, especially if you consider the Cowboys could go to 2-0 and and the Eagles could jump to 1-1. and I mean, honestly, it'd be very difficult to see the Giants, even though it's only a two-game hole, coming back because not only is the record bad, but that would mean they played another bad game because I do think they should beat the Buccaneers. So it's a must-win in the sense that you need to prove that you can play this year, but it's also a must-win in the sense that you can't go zero and two. No, I completely agree. Uh, they, 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 you know, there's no reason, no reason at all why they lose this game. Why they should lose this game? Something would have to go terribly wrong, I think, for them to lose this game. Uh, let's talk about the problem spots for the Giants. I mean, we talked about it last week uh, because we had our show after the Wednesday night game. Um, everybody's talking about the secondary. Uh, you know, being a huge problem. Everybody's talking about the drop passes being a problem. But I think the problem on this Giants team is the offensive line and the running game. I think those, I, I honestly believe those are the two biggest problems last week uh, that we saw last week. Bob Papa came on this show last week and told us that the secondary is a problem that can be fixed. Okay, that's something that, you know, will we'll, we'll get fixed. Uh, obviously, the injuries definitely don't help that, but that's something that players will improve upon. Well, and a lot of those players will come back. Prince right. will come back. Yes, I mean, Prince will be back, but obviously Terrell Thomas won't. Yeah, but, but what are you expecting from the offensive line? It's not like they're going to go out and, and trade for someone. It's not no. like the draft will reoccur so yeah. that they can get someone. They're stuck with who they have. They're, There's no doubt about that. They're simply just going to have to get better. I yeah. mean, they, you know, I mean that that's that's what they're going to have to do. Uh, the running game. I mean, David Wilson and Ahmad Bradshaw can be a lethal tandem in this league. I I wholeheartedly believe that. But these are guys that will not do a thing if they don't have blockers. Well, you could say that about any running back. Yeah, in the but league. I mean, you know, now, David Wilson did not help himself by fumbling no. on on that on that carry and then being benched the remainder of the game. Yeah. There are running backs in this league, Mike, that that will make plays. Like Adrian Peterson is a guy, Darren McFadden is a guy that with a with a depleted O-line, they will find a way to be playmakers. I don't see that right now with Bradshaw and Wilson. They're going to need 
uh, they're going to need stability on the offensive line, no question. Well, and Eli Manning will need it too. Yeah, and especially, this will start going down. I think they have a different play calling philosophy in Oakland with McFadden due to his skill set right. than the Giants do with exactly. Ahmad Bradshaw. Now that's nothing against Gilbride at all, but it is worth noting that you know Bradshaw is shifty tackle to tackle, but I wouldn't necessarily say that he's got burning fast speed by any stretch necessarily. He's he's quick, he's shifty, but he's not the fastest guy in the league. No, no, by, by no means. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with, I, I do agree with those people who say that it's a big problem about the receivers and Victor Cruz dropping the balls. So, you know, you know what you got to do? You just got to go out there and make the catch next time. I mean, there's really, I mean, I could tell you how to do it. I mean, there's just, you know, there's no secret behind fixing that problem. I mean, simply put, they just they just went through. Of all the people that you think feel bad about Victor Cruz dropping those passes, there's one guy who I think feels the worst, Victor Cruz. There you go. I mean, honestly, <laughs> he, he went to the locker room after the game and said something along the lines of, I, I know, I, I know what I did. No I excuse. know what I need to do to get better. Uh, he didn't drop that many balls in a single game all last year. So is had, it you know the hangover from you know being the guy last year that that kind of exploded onto the scene? Perhaps I doubt it though. He'll be back. You know I I don't, I don't think those are problems that can't be fixed like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the offensive line is a major point of concern the entire season. He dropped seven passes last year, all of last year, three in week one. I, I don't expect him to have no. a, a problem uh, in the rest of the year. Now, Hakeem Nick's questionable for this game. We talked to, again. Pop, Papa made another great point last week and told us that Knicks is not game no, ready. No, he's not one hundred percent. He is not at all physically one hundred percent. I don't know if he still is. If he's listed as questionable, clearly he's not. Yeah, so, I, I don't know if it's something he picked up in the game, but obviously he was slowed the entire preseason. Totally, and in and the obviously it's worse now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, how much of a problem do you think the Giants could have here if if Knicks? You know, plays, but plays like he did in week one, which was basically no contributions. No, he he wasn't a factor. And here's the thing. The Giants have incredible depth at the wide receiver position. They really do. Mm. Hickson, I think, is still a, a playmaker if he's healthy, which this year it seems like he is. Cruz, you've got Randall, who maybe isn't picking it up that fast, but he's there. Totally. Throw him in at the three spot, put Hickson over at the one spot, or maybe just pull Nick's. If Nick's isn't healthy... He's too good a receiver to say, well, we'll keep trotting you out at 50% the whole season. No. I say, look, pull him for a week. You sh- Honestly, they should be able to beat the Buccaneers with or without Hakeem Nix. I completely agree mind. with you. There is no pull playmaker him. on the Bucks. There is no big-time playmaker no. on this team. No, there's not. And even their running back who's solid, I, I mean, they have a solid running back, but not good enough that you're sitting there going, wow, he could run one off any time. Not, yeah. not really the case. I don't have a wide receiver that makes you go, man, here, here he comes. Vincent Jackson's good. He's not that good. No, he's not great by any means. I mean, he definitely is a big guy that, that could give his secondary some some troubles. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's a top 25 receiver, not a top five. Right. They have Doug Martin, who is their rookie running back, and uh, he made some big strides in preseason. Um, so I wonder what he's going to be doing. Yeah, but Mac, here's something that I read last week coming, coming. I think it was on Friday last week, maybe Saturday, where a, a Giants linebacker, not sure which one off the top of my head, said that there was a different atmosphere at, at, at Giants camp 
coming into the into week two because they lost week one in such a hapless way to a team that they need to beat to be division champions. You can't win the division and lose to the Cowboys twice. You no. can, but it's very unlikely. Yeah. Uh, do you think if they go into into this week with a different mentality that that's all they need to do? You think that's the key? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I think it still remains to be seen, but there is no reason, and we, we've said it, absolutely no reason that this team loses to the Buccaneers. There, no. there will be, there, you know, there will be major, major issues if they don't come away with a win. Ruben Randall, by the way, I was just curious about his size uh, because Papa absolutely loves him. Uh, thinks that he can be a huge playmaker in this league. He's six two two oh eight. It's not bad. No, not bad at all. I don't know his. Uh, I don't know his tools like you know, 40, speed. forty speed. I don't know that, but uh, but yeah, apparently he does have a lot of speed. So, but I mean, okay, we're we're saying you shouldn't lose to the Bucks. Now, granted, mm-hmm. the Bucks have bought into Coach Ciano's system, and they have, and they will for the coming weeks because it's a new coach with a lot of energy, and and that's that's contagious to an extent. At the same time, the Bucks were last last year in rushing yards allowed. They were last in points allowed in the league. They were last in defensive sacks. And this year they come around and allow just 10 yards to the Panthers' running game. A, a Panthers' running game with Cam Newton. 10 yards. That's got to be concerning. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. Def- you know, it's definitely concerning. Again, this Bucks team, they're not that good. No. Uh, let's just put it that way. At the end really, of the day, they're still not I don't that know good. How, I don't know how they managed to, to beat the Panthers. I really thought the Panthers would win that game. Oh, I, mean, I was sure they were going to win that I, game. We didn't defense, even bother to pick it. Their defense is is where that you know they can provide some trouble for Eli Manning. Rondé Barber is drinking from the fountain of youth uh, right now. <laughs> Had a nice interception last week. So you know I, I you know I see maybe the defense being a problem, but I, again, I think the Giants easily walk away with a win. I'll, we'll get to predictions now. I'm going to go Giants thirty, Bucks seventeen. Yeah, and I don't even think the Giants get that many points, but I don't think the Bucks do either. I'm going 20-10 Giants. Okay, Again, fair enough. This is a game the Giants not only should win, but in my opinion, and I think yours too, need to win. Oh, absolutely. Everybody's walking around saying, is it a must win? No. Should they win? Yes. It's a must win. You're I not going so. 0-2 in an NFC East like this. Mark it down. Giants won't, won't make the playoffs if they lose this game. My okay. prediction. All right, they we, will not make the playoffs. You, you guys write that if down. They, we... If they win, if they win this game, uh, let's get to <laughs> Joe Vitiello and his Jets report. The Jets dominated the Buffalo Bills 48-28 this past weekend. The team fired on all cylinders, scoring four offensive touchdowns and adding an Antonio Cromartie pick six. Special teams even joined the party with Jeremy Curley scoring on a punt return. Let's face it. No one, not even my crazy self, was expecting the Jets to put up 48 points in the first week. No one was expecting Mark Sanchez to throw three touchdowns for 266 yards with only one interception either. The only major negative that came from the game was Darrell Reeves' mild concussion. He suffered the injury in the third quarter on a play in which he was accidentally kicked in the head by teammate Bart Scott. The injury will play a big role in this week and possibly the season if it's more serious than expected. Dan Green probably has the best secondary in the game, and it takes a major hit without Revis. According to head coach Rex Ryan, we will know Revis' status by Saturday. I would think you wouldn't put him on a plane. If, if a guy had a concussion, You wouldn't, I wouldn't, don't think you would put a guy on a plane to make the game-time decision. So I would think with 
by, by Saturday that we'll certainly have an answer. If Durrell is unable to go, Kyle Wilson will have to step in and cover a speedy Pittsburgh wide receiver crew. A very tough task. I believe the outcome of the game relies on Revis playing. If so, Gangreen pulls out a tough one 24-17 in Pittsburgh. If not, we'll be talking about the same old disappointing Jets next week. Covering the... I'm Joe Vidiello, WFUV Sports. And thanks to Joe Vidiello, weekly Jets report here on one-on-one's NFL Friday. Mac Rosenberg, Mike Watts with you. And uh, talking about the Jets, uh, well, we, we, you know, well, we may know by Saturday. Well, we know by Friday. Yes, Darrell we do. Revis out tomorrow. Also, Dustin Keller out tomorrow. And also, James Harrison and Troy Palomalu are out tomorrow. Everybody's out in this game for, <laughs> the, the, for Pittsburgh and New York. Yeah, the biggest playmakers on offense, I think. Yes, Antonio Holmes is a better playmaker, but a better receiver in terms of the safety blanket that Sanchez tends to use a lot. And Keller is gone. Mm-hmm. Harrison and Palomalu are the two biggest defensive playmakers on that team, although they get Clark back who missed That's the right. game against Denver due yep. to sickle cell. Mm-hmm. So the, the biggest players of this game are all out. It's amazing, and I think it's a huge reason why Pittsburgh lost last week mm-hmm. uh, because Harrison wasn't in that game. Uh, and he's just, you know, just, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, Peyton Manning or Mark Sanchez. In fact, it's worth it worse if you're Mark Sanchez under center, and you look, you know, four yards in front of you, and there's James Harrison staring you down, and a few yards behind him is Troy Palomalu staring you down. They're both not going to be there. Right. So, you know, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Coming into the studio today, I was all set to pick the Jets to win this game. Uh, and, and I want to get to the review of the Bills in a sec, but the fact that Revis is out, it's going to be awfully hard to defend Mike Wallace. That's true. And, look, Rogers Cromartie isn't a bad player. I mean, he – in a lot of places, he'd be considered a number one. He just yeah. happens to be playing across from Darrell Revis. Yeah. I mean, if he were playing across from 90% of starting corners, he'd be the number one guy, but right. he's not. So when you look at the Jets, I think defensively it hurts to lose Revis, but at the same time, you still have most of your other playmakers. The Jets' offense, however, finally shows up. And I think Joe hit it on the head when he said, not even my crazy – Self would believe that the Jets would throw down 48 points week one, even though some of those came from special teams. But, I mean, that's a team that's rolling, and now they get to not face the best safety, one of the top five safeties. I'll go there. Right. In the league, it's right Palomalu. Absolutely agree. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that Revis isn't playing, I, you know, I almost, I almost don't care who's not playing for Pittsburgh because the Jets – in so, so many ways needed Revis to be in this game. Because you said it last week, how big how big Revis is in this league. He's just so far ahead of any other defender in this league, and now he's not playing. You know, it's a shame because Mike Wallace is dominant when, when, uh, when he has his way on offense. Well, think about what it means to have a shutdown, no question shutdown corner yeah. on the field because that side of the field is just completely locked out. You shade the rest of your defense to the other side, and you get to blitz more more guys. Honestly, he's the reason that defense ticks the way it does so well most of the time. Without a doubt. So you lose Revis, and now, as we're mentioning here, big, big trouble for the Jets, especially against a guy who, even though Mike Wallace missed training camp, is still a very, very good receiver. And he had a rough time last week with Tracy Porter. I was a bit shocked. There was one play, it was late in the game, where mm-hmm. – 
Roethlisberger went down, I believe, the left sideline, and Porter really had him neck for neck, and then the last second reached out his hand and just deflected that ball away. It was a great play. Give give all the credit in the world to Tracy Porter. Had a great game last week uh, for Denver. Huge reason why they were able to win. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I mean so you, we, we assume that it'll be Cromartie covering Wallace now. You would think so. And you got to give the advantage to Wallace. Yeah. And that's, that's the bottom line. Uh, the Jets may not have a game like this like this past week that they you know that they had they may not have a game like that again all year i, I don't just, think they yeah, will yeah 48 points they were getting points every way possible everything clicked sanchez threw an interception on the first drive after that he was a different player can we talk about that interception because that was the worst oh yeah that, that was, was horrible. terrible horrible it reminded me of tony romo throwing a pick against the jets last year on opening night that interception made tony romo look like a saint i mean that's <laughs> ridiculous because when you watch that replay it was you just you're trying to figure out what he could possibly be thinking the only guy who threw a worse interception last week was michael vick and that's because he had four (laughs) unbelievable and and look that that was kind of scary i know what they did after that but you know sanchez had a great game after without a doubt he did but the fact that you just have that feeling that he's gonna make that bonehead garbage interception yeah it just it if you are if you're a jets fan your stomach just has to be in knots at the thought of that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree because that could be the Mark Sanchez that we see the rest of the season because, let's face it, the Bills prove to everybody that they're just – Pretenders. That they're hype right now, yeah. They're nothing but hype, and it's kind of sad, to be honest, because me and you both absolutely loved, loved the Bills coming into this year, uh, you know, what the defense had to bring. And, and, you know, you had playmakers on offense. Obviously, now the way is made for C.J. Spiller uh, with Fred Jackson going down, but – yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I know I'm going to upset a lot of Jet fans when I say this, but I think that was more of the Bills just playing absolutely horribly. And if the Jets didn't take advantage of that, well, then they're even worse. I mean, it was, it was just a case of, you know, Jets are going to obviously take advantage of, of a team when they play as bad as the Bills did. And, and look, it's an NFL defense. It, you have to give the Jets some credit. Because, look, I, I couldn't believe that. I, I said mark it down at least two sacks for Mario Williams. Because I thought for sure he was just going to go absolutely ape on an offensive line that's been maligned all preseason. I was so sure. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. Nothing. So when you look at the Bills, when they don't get a pass rush, what's left? Nothing on their defense. That's the key to what they're doing. And that's why they went out and got him to begin with. That was the big free agency target during the offseason. So when you look at the Bills right now, if that doesn't exist, they are a remarkably worse team than you and I initially thought they were. And Clark Judge is coming on later, and he wrote that uh, I believe that's 13 interceptions in the last eight games, I believe, for Fitzpatrick. That's, what, 26 over the course of a season? That's not going to cut it. No, I still don't know why they signed him to an extension. And at the time, it, it made sense. But it was only on half a season. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, so yeah. maybe it didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't make sense at all. Uh, Tim Tebow, uh, there was a report that he asked for a trade this week, and everybody's, you know, here, here comes the the talk once again. You know, I, I'm kind of getting tired of it myself. But it was funny. He was asked about the report, and he said it's about as true as me living in Hoboken. <laughs> I, 
Is, is that, does he live in Hoboken? He, exactly. That's the, does, that's does the question. Does he live in Hoboken? Does he live in Hoboken? I think that's the first question here. And the second question is that is that a knock on Hoboken? I've never been to Hoboken, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I hear they have very, very exciting St. Patrick's Day parades. You know, I'm not from the area, but my parents always said, look, we, we get on trains to try and get around the city, and whenever we get lost, somehow we always end up in Hoboken. <laughs> They don't know why. They don't know why everything leads to Hoboken. But it's just the the worst case scenario on those trains is you end up in Hoboken. So I I guess that that you know that's what Tim Tebow meant. That's the worst case scenario is that I get traded. Who's <laughs> <laughs> me living in Hoboken? That all right. So Revis mild concussion. He's out. Dustin Keller's out. James Harrison's out. Troy Palomalo's out. Who do you got? I, even though Pittsburgh does miss out on on two of their premier defensive playmakers, their defense is is I think in large part a product of what Dick LeBeau does from the booth, more so than the players in the system. It helps to have Harrison and Palomalu, but I still think they'll dial some things up that will make Sanchez move around a little more than he wants to. I'm going Pittsburgh 24, New York 13. Wow, I was we were very close on the on the scores. Um, listen, if Darrell Revis plays. You could put mean Joe Green on the Steelers defense, and I, I still would have picked the Jets because I think that the huge key in this game will have will be Mike Wallace. Because let's face it, we, and we haven't talked about this, Mike. The Steelers' running game is awful. Steelers' running game is absolutely awful. They don't have Mendenhall. Isaac Redmond couldn't do anything. They got a, a guy that had the last name of Rainey in there. I, you know, Steelers' running game is awful. So they are going to be relying on Mike Wallace now that Revis isn't playing. Got to go with the Steelers. You said twenty four thirteen. I did. I'm going 23-16. I'll say the Steelers win by by a touchdown. I'll say that the Jets don't score a point in the fourth quarter, and the Steelers are able to score one touchdown and and break away. So what, two touchdowns and three field goals or three touchdowns and a safety? Is that the is that the twenty three? Is that did I, am I doing my Something math like right? That. I'm going to go with the first one because I don't think there's going to be a safety. But <laughs> I'm picking the Steelers twenty three sixteen nonetheless. Let's get to some general NFL talk uh, now. As we get closer, we'll have predictions later on. Um, and uh, last night, Bears and Packers, and we're going to have Clark Judge on uh, in a few minutes uh, here from uh, CBSSports.com NFL columnist over there. We'll have him on in a couple of minutes. Let's talk Packers Bears last night. Oh. And Jay Cutler proved to the NFL why, at least for right now, he is nowhere near an elite quarterback in this league. And I'll tell you why. It's because he cannot put those terrible performances behind him. Sacked seven times, picked off four times. You you couldn't find Brandon Marshall. Nothing went right for Jay Cutler. Tell me the last time Eli Manning had a game like that. Tell me the last time Tom Brady had a game like that. I personally can't. Yeah, so that's why why Jay Cutler, and I I think he's going to have to really come back and and have an amazing season the rest of the way to be considered elite, I think. He is not in that category right now for me. Yeah, and Charles Woodson came off the field. He was talking with Rachel Nichols of ESPN and said, quote, it's the same old Jay. We just need to be in position. Jay will throw us the ball. <laughs> like, oh, if you just put a target on, on your numbers yep. in the wrong jersey, he's just going to you know, purposely aim it at that target uh, and help you intercept him. Not quite, but... <laughs> This is a problem Cutler has had since the Broncos, since Vanderbilt, for God's sake. I don't know how to fix him because you 
I need a better receiving core. Well, here's Brandon Marshall, okay? I believe they still have Knox, and, and Hester is, is playing a little receiver. And But you bring in Marshall. He's the go-to he, guy he's from the go-to day guy. one. Here's your guy. Yep. This is the guy you, you played with for. Him. You right. played with him in Denver. You had success with him in Denver. Here he is. Here he is. And he, he is for you. He is your present. How's it working out so far? I mean, it worked out week one pretty well. They played the Colts. They played the Colts. Colts have a terrible defense. What do you say about the Packers' defense? They have a, a, some good players, but they haven't been good. They're they they a, a flawed defense. And they're somehow, a flawed defense. somehow, with Matt Forte playing only half the game, I'll, I'll give I'll spot Jay Cutler that. Okay. Yep. Although he was terrible when cut uh, when when Forte was still in there. Forte had four catches in that game, believe it or not. Yes, he did for for forty plus yards. So and he was playing a little bit of a role. He adds a lot in the passing game. I will say that, and that's why I think if Forte is gone, the season for the Bears is over. I mean, I'll say that now. If Forte is gone for the long term. Apparently it's a high ankle sprain, which is never good news for a no, running back. It's never good news. That that's that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it. They're gonna be in some real deep trouble here as the season goes through. But Jay Cutler is nineteen and eight in his last twenty seven regular season starts. Th- those are great numbers. Those are great numbers. Chicago was a quarterback away, in my opinion, last year from being contenders because they had a nobody. Caleb Haney, I believe, was their was their quarterback. Cutler the played stretch. ten games last year, right? Uh, and got injured. Gets back in the playoffs, injures his thumb. Was that last year? Year? No, before, that was but... actually two years when the Packers won the Super Bowl. Right. You know, it's Haney just, came this in. It was in the NFC Championship yeah. game two years ago. This guy can't win for losing. He can't lose to win. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you said you said nineteen and eight. Forte is uh, no Cutler. Oh, cu- I'm sorry, Cutler. I meant Cutler. Yeah. I want to know how many of those games are against the division. I don't think I, I would be shocked if more than more than four or five were against the Packers well, and you, Lions. You got to play Minnesota once in a while, right? That's true. <laughs> I, I said, like I said, Packers and Lions. <laughs> That's true. And yeah, no, Packers and Lions are, I think, obviously the class of that division offensively. But there's no doubt in my mind that the Bears are the best defensive team in that division. They just need a quarterback who isn't going to turn the ball over four times in a game. And I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Didn't look great last night. He didn't look great week one either. Yeah, no, he didn't. Honest. 22 for 32 last night, 200-plus yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, I, I think the running game for the Packers is the big thing on this team. They finally showed up last night. They were 27th in the league last year. Cedric Benson had uh, 81 yards. And, you know, they were able to, to, to make it happen, I think, last night. That was a huge weakness for this team. Yeah, and you don't need to ask for a 200-yard rusher when you have Aaron Rodgers. That's not true. You, you don't need that. You need something to Serviceable. keep the defense off, uh, Serviceable. Uh, off, the, off the box. That's not a lot to ask. Just a decent, workable running back is good enough. And Cedric Benson right now in his career is that guy, and that's good. However, uh, the, the Packers and the Bears at this point in time it's pretty clear that that the the Bears have a running game that the Packers want, and the and the Packers have a passing game that the Bears want. There you go. I don't know. Maybe can they can they do a trade? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But tell me this: When is Rodgers going to play two defenses back to back this good? No, I don't know. I'd have to look at the schedule. But uh, we are pleased to welcome back a, a good friend of WFUV, CBS Sports NFL columnist Clark Judge. Clark, welcome to the show. And FUV listener, thank you very much. Thank you uh, for joining us, Clark. Uh, let's start things off uh, talking about your, your weekly column. You have a weekly Friday column on CBSSports.com. It's called Peak at the Week. 
You can access that by heading over to CBSSports.com and clicking on the NFL page. Shameless plug there you, uh, for you, uh, Clark. I appreciate it. This week, uh, your, your top game to watch is Baltimore against Philadelphia. That's in Philly. How much do you think the Eagles need to win this game to avoid going 0-2? Oh, I'm sorry. I meant 1-1. I meant one one. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, they, they don't necessarily need to win it. They need to show well. They need to clean up the mess that was in Cleveland last week. There was only one team they could have beaten last Sunday, and they were playing them, the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns are a mess. They can't score. They turn the ball over. They've got a raft of problems. But so does Philadelphia. Philadelphia can't protect the ball. That was an issue last year. They turned it over 38 times. Remember last year, and only one team was worse. That was Tampa Bay. Mm. Michael Vick got hit a lot last year. We said, we've got to protect Michael Vick. He got hit 11 times the other day. Um, they committed 12 penalties for 110 yards. They did everything wrong, yet still won the game. So it counts as much as San Francisco's win over Green Bay, and they were lucky to get that. Now, against Baltimore, they're facing a much tougher opponent. They're at home. People certainly there are mindful of what's going on. They've got to clean it up. You notice Andy Reid closed practice this week. He's going to close it for the rest of the year. I think there's some tight people there in Philadelphia. I think they want to make sure they get this thing right. And as I said, I don't think it's urgent for them to to win this game. Uh, But it's it's simply important for them to show marked improvement for what they were last week because they were a mess last week. Uh, Clark, you're talking uh, right now to the only Cleveland native in the entire WFUV <laughs> sports division. Uh, my, my condolences. <laughs> it's been since 99. We're used to it at this point. Uh, I, I went and looked at your judgments on, I believe, Monday you posted on CBS Sports. Uh, and I want to continue with that Browns theme for just one second because Colt McCoy, you said, is not the problem right now. Was the Philadelphia defense just really good, or was Brandon Whedon as bad as I thought he was? Well, no, the, the, the Philadelphia defense is very good. I mean, they're, they're going to be much better. Um, they plugged one huge leak, which is in the middle of D'Amico Ryan's, and I think you saw that on third and one when they stopped. I, I'm not sure if it was Richardson, but they stopped the running back cold on third and one. Ryan's is going to help them a lot. They've now got, by getting rid of Asante Samuel, they've got uh, Asamoah playing a more natural position. Rogers Cromartie, more natural position. They're, they're in their comfort zones. They're where they should be. Questions of safety, I will say that. And yet Kirk Coleman came up with two interceptions. But um, you saw Rogers Cromartie played, I thought, an outstanding game. Two interceptions, four defenses, defense passes. Played very well. Looked like the kind of guy Philadelphia thought it was getting when they made the Kevin Cobb deal. So I think that defense is pretty good. But I will tell you, I, I think the Cleveland offense has got a ton of problems. It did last year, too. They as I said, Colt McCoy wasn't the problem last year. They needed playmakers. I didn't know whether he was any good or not. I saw him two years ago, and I saw him beat the New England Patriots. He looked awfully good. I saw him take the Jets to the mat in overtime. He looked pretty good. You need playmakers around that kid. You need playmakers around anyone to give them a chance, and they didn't do that with him. So what do they do? They change quarterback, and lo and behold, Brent Whedon doesn't have playmakers either, and he looks worse than Colt McCoy. I mean, um, he couldn't have hit the, the water if he fell out of a boat last week. He was terrible. So um, <laughs> they, they really need, they need help around the quarterback, and they haven't really addressed that. Yeah, Richardson was a start, but how about some wide receivers, some guys of consequence, and, um, or you know, re, retooling the offensive line. Uh, they've got people that Joe Thomas, good player. They've got people who are good, but, but how about getting supporting actors for the quarterback? They didn't do that. Honestly, I thought – they panicked for the 22nd pick because Kendall Wright wasn't there, and he would have helped them. They ended up taking Brandon Whedon. He's older than Aaron Rodgers, for goodness sake. So um, wow. he better be good. And, you know, he wasn't very good last week. I'm just wondering because I actually went ahead and, and, and started this hashtag. I don't think it's taken on yet. 
Hashtag Colt 2012. Is there any chance you can help me with that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You're going you're gonna to have to talk to uh, Pat Shermer about that. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, Clark, I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the local teams here. You mentioned the Jets and the Steelers in your column this week. Mm-hmm. Now, we know Pittsburgh, they just they, they don't start 0-2. That's, just, nope. that, that's not the Steeler way. Um, Darrell Revis now out for this game. This is news that just comes today. I personally thought, and we just talked, we just made the picks. I, I thought that if Revis played, that the Jets would win this game. Because I, I, did you see the way Tracy Porter played uh, against Mike Wallace last Sunday night? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, did. I, I mean, that was that was a great performance. You put Revis on Wallace like that with not a full training camp, I think he shuts him down. But now what do you think about this game? I, I like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh at home, 0-1. I, I think it's a slam dunk. I, Pittsburgh doesn't lose. I, I, honestly, I didn't care who they played. Pittsburgh just doesn't go 0-2. Right. And you look last week, you mentioned Porter. Yeah, you're right about that. But then look at the other side of the ball. Peyton Manning playing quarterback. And, and Mark Sanchez had a good game last week. Martin, Mark Sanchez not Peyton Manning. So um, I, I looked at this game and thought it, it could be close. Um, and would they have a chance for an upset? Yeah, they'd have a chance. But it's Pittsburgh at home. Roethlisberger doesn't lose. They don't lose home openers. They just don't. I think they've won nine straight. And Roethlisberger's 5-0 and in home openers. They just don't lose. So, um, I, I looked at this game and just thought, you know what, I, the, the Jets may push him. If they play well, they may push him. But in the end, it's going to be Pittsburgh just because Pittsburgh doesn't lose at home. Well, and I want to look forward to a different game here this weekend, and it's one that I think you're looking forward to, one I'm looking forward to. Denver and Atlanta. You said that it was an important game in part because you see who Matt Ryan really is. Right. Is this the year that he breaks out? You said, is he for real? Then you picked the Falcons in your prediction. Is that you saying that, yes, he is real, and how does that affect the overall NFC picture? No, we're not going to know about him until the playoffs come. He's got to win a playoff game. Mm. He's 0-3. Mike Smith's yeah. 0-3. And those people, I have to laugh. I, I work with Pete Prisco, who hates Tim Tebow. Doesn't dislike him. Hates him. <laughs> yeah. And loves Mike Smith. I said, hey, Pete, this is all you need to know. In one year, Tim Tebow has more playoff victories than Mike Smith has in his career. Okay. Amazing. Um, and so I look at this game and think, okay, it's, it's got, you know, kind of a playoff atmosphere for the second week. I mean, sure. you know, if you, it's a stretch. But, yeah, you, if you want to measure yourself, why not measure yourself against Peyton Manning? He's coming to town. Denver Broncos, some people think, oh, Denver Broncos, maybe they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm not one of those people. I think they're going to have a tough enough time winning that division. But I look at Denver and think, okay, they're coming off a big win. They're, they're rolling. Peyton Manning looks pretty good. Let's see what happens. What happens is, again, we're playing that Pittsburgh card here again. Atlanta at home, tough to beat. Matt Ryan, 25-4 and four in the regular season at home. They, just, they, they don't lose there. They're a different team there. Um, now, when it comes to playoffs, I think you guys saw what happened two years ago when Green Bay rolled into town. All of a sudden, Matt Ryan laid an egg, yep. and they got walloped by the Packers. And, and that's the playoffs, but this is the regular season. I loved what I saw last week. I mean, when you've got Julio Jones and Roddy White on the outside, Tony Gonzalez is about at the end, but he's still got a lot more left than, than most tight ends. He's got a raft of options, and I think that's going to be too much for Denver to handle. Denver uh, being on the road, Atlanta especially being at home, Matt Ryan feeling good about himself, come off a big win. I, I do think the Falcons win this game. Now, Clark, uh, we were talking about the Packers and the, the Bears last night. I just want to real quick your opinion on Jay Cutler because I think – it's going to take a while now for him to prove that he's an elite quarterback because elite quarterbacks never, never have games like he had last night. Well, you're asking the wrong guy because when they made the deal, I said, this is going to blow up on him. He won't work out. Ah. There. I, don't, I, I don't like Jay Cutler. Very good prediction. I, I never have. 
Uh, well, he went to the conference championship game. And honestly, last year, I will tell you guys, I thought I saw the makings of a quarterback last year. You can People tell you about all the physical ability he's got, and he does. He's got more physical ability than most quarterbacks out there. But you need more than that to be a quarterback. You need leadership. And, and that's what I think you saw missing last night. You know, he comes off the field, and he, he's yelling at Jamarcus Webb, mm-hmm. and then he shoves him. You go, yeah, that's a leader? I mean, you know, Jake Cutler made some mistakes. In fact, he made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, the offensive line stunk, but he held the ball a long time. He also made some very bad passes. So uh, I look at Cutler, and I've never, ever liked him. Uh, I, I actually went out in Denver oh, three or four years ago, sat down with another writer and talked to him, and I came away and said, I would never get in the huddle with that guy. I would never get on the team with that guy. I can't stand him from the time I missed that talk to him. He had no interest. He was distracted. He's not the kind of guy that has charisma that you can feel in other quarterbacks. I mean, you're around some of these guys. Honestly, when you're around Mark Sanchez, you can feel it. I mean, you can just feel like, oh, this guy can step in a huddle and take over a huddle. Um, that doesn't mean he's going to, but you can feel it. That's the kind of guy you go, I want to get in there with him. Right. Never really felt that with Cutler. And, boy, he saves his worst games for Green Bay. Not necessarily at Lambeau, although he stunk at Lambeau, but for the Packers. And remember that conference championship game I talked about? He bowed out at halftime. And some of the stuff that was said afterwards was pretty cruel, but I'm watching him walk the sidelines in the second half. I'm going, geez, I mean, I know some quarterbacks would be out. They can walk the sidelines. They'd be out there. But um, Jay Cutler, he's an odd guy, very odd guy. He's got tremendous ability. And um, some of the intangibles very short on it. And the other thing I want to mention, since you mentioned elite quarterbacks, that's one of my pet peeves, is people throw that term around very loosely, elite quarterbacks. And it, it really should be saved for the best of the best of the best. And when uh, Jason Whitten earlier this year said, uh, you know, Tony Romo is an elite quarterback, well, actually, no, he's not, because he's 12-18 and 18 from December 1st on, and he's 1-3 and three in the playoffs. That's not an elite quarterback. To me, an elite quarterback is you give me two or three guys that you have one game to win, and you say, those are the two or three guys I'm going to bet on. Those are the guys I want. Those are my elite quarterbacks. Tom Brady's one of them. I'm going to tell you, Ben Roethlisberger is another one. He's a guy who will win games. He doesn't put up the numbers that people want or these gargantuan numbers. He extends plays. He wins big games. He's the kind of guy I want. Drew Brees is another one, and Peyton Manning, obviously, is another. Clark Judge has it out for Jay Cutler. Mark it down. <laughs> and, and, Clark, I've got one more question for you. If the 49ers go to Lambeau Field – and just demolish the Packers. Which they did, yeah. And the Packers then go to Soldier Field and annihilate the Bears. Mm-hmm. How good are the 49ers? Oh, I think we learned last night. To me, the winner of that game was San Francisco. You watch these two teams and said, you know what? 49ers is so much better than anyone expected at this point. Now, I cover them for a long time in the 90s, and those were great teams. And then they had a, a really bad spell until last year. And they came this close to getting to the Super Bowl. And you look at that team, and people told me they're coming back to earth. Again, Pete Prisco said, he told me, they're going to fall off the planet. I said, what do you mean fall off the planet? They're going to go 9-7. and I said, that's not exactly falling off the planet. And I said, they're not going to go 9-7 and for two reasons. One, they, they have all the stars back on defense. And two, Alex Smith is going to be better. That's the, the X factor. People tell me, uh-uh, Alex Smith is going to hold him back. Well, Alex Smith is in the same offense with the same coordinator, if only the second time in his career. And the first time was 2010, and they fired Jimmy Ray three games into the season. They're not going to fire Greg Roman. Alex Smith is very comfortable in that offense. He doesn't make mistakes, but he's more, much more than a game manager. He can make big plays, and you saw that last week. There was a big mistake committed in that game last week, and I was at that game. Big mistake. It wasn't committed by Alex Smith. It was committed by Aaron Rodgers. Alex Smith outplayed Aaron Rodgers last week. I'm not saying he's better than Aaron Rodgers. I would never say that. But 
Alex Smith is a lot better than most people give him credit for. Yeah, and, you know, I made the argument not to get Peyton Manning when and the Niners were going after Peyton Manning. I said, you are correct. You have to give this guy more more of a chance. I mean, seven offensive coordinators in seven years or whatever it was, you have to give him more of a chance. Clark, one more before we let you go. I, I told you, I interviewed you in the summer on one-on-one, and I'm a huge Rams fan, uh, and we talked about the Rams a little bit. You picked an upset of the week this week, and you made me a little bit more happy that I'm a Rams fan. You picked St. Louis over the Washington Redskins in the, the Rams' home opener. Now, Clark, watching that game last week against Detroit, it really looked like the Rams contended with the Lions right, for four did. quarters. Yep. What are you thinking uh, is the key to this game against Washington? Well, I mean, obviously the key is trying to limit the damage on the other side, uh, what RG3 can do. Um, you know, they've got issues. The Rams got issues in the offensive line. i tell you why I did it. Honestly, it was basically on a hutch. Nothing more than just gut feel. <laughs> and that's what most of the time it is when people yeah, put no, the Rams Yeah, most of the time it is. And, and honestly, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, in the past, I've had some success doing that. Just where I go, right. okay, you know. And so I looked at this game and I thought – I don't know. There's something about it. Everyone expects that RG3 is going to light it up, throw for 400 yards, six TDs. You know, they're going to carry him off on their shoulders. And I thought, you know, rookie quarterbacks, they have ups and downs. This could be one of those downs. He's going home, to, 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 going back to uh, St. Louis, where St. Louis is home, um, and that's going to be tough. Yeah, they're in a dome, and they won in a dome last week against a very good opponent. Can they do it again? Sure they can, because Mike Shanahan's teams typically start fast. But I looked at what St. Louis did, and they went – to Detroit, very tough place to play against a team most people, not me, but most people think is playoff ready and maybe Super Bowl ready, and they should have beaten them. They really should have beaten them. They came within 10 seconds of beating them, and, and I thought that showed me something. Jeff Fisher's teams are tough, they're physical, and they're competitive, and I like that combination going up against these guys. Hey, last year when the two met, and obviously RG3 wasn't involved, but St. Louis could have won that game. They just they didn't have anyone could catch the ball, and their offensive line was terrible. I want to see what their offensive line looks like. But coming back home and coming off of that game last week, I think there's a little bit of a lift. No one gives them a chance. And that's one reason I thought, I think I'm going to give them one. Because I look at this game and think, you know what? They're home, they're comfortable, and they're coming off a very good win. That's a nice combination. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Clark Judge, NFL columnist for CBSSports.com, member of WFUV. Clark, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. All thanks, right. Clark. Again, Clark Judge, uh, always a pleasure to have him on the show. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, talking about the Rams, they got some, some, they got a nice lift in that game last week. They were up 23-20, Mike, with under two minutes to go. I could, I could taste it. I could taste the victory in my mouth. How's that working? And then uh, Matt Stafford just, and you know what? So many people, it really ticked me off. So many people in the Rams fan community were, were getting on the defense. You know what? The offense gave this team no chance to win last week. Sam Bradford, he was serviceable at best last week. Steven Jackson had 21 carries for 53 yards. All right, hold on. I'll let you go ahead and answer this for me. Sam Bradford is a blank quarterback. Yeah, Is he a good quarterback, a bad, still, a managing quarterback? What still, is he? It still remains to be seen, Mike, because he was out so many games last year and because look what he did in his rookie year. So you just don't know. You just don't know what he is right now. Uh, there are people in the Rams community that, uh, me included, I still believe that if he's given just one more tool, I mean one more solid threat at wide receiver, and may, it may be on this team right now, uh, he can be a franchise quarterback. I still believe that he has a chance to be one. Uh, he's in his third year, his second full year. Hopefully it is a full year for him. Um, you know, I, I still think it does remain to be seen. I think he's a good quarterback right now. 
He didn't throw an interception last week. Didn't turn the ball over. He just has to make the big plays, which there were none of them on offense last week. Defense played great. Three interceptions, one return for a touchdown by Cortland Finnegan. You cannot tell me the Rams' defense lost that game. I know Stafford ate him alive in the final drive, but they had no choice. I forgot they had Cortland Finnegan, and now I just hate the Rams that much more. I I I, I cannot. He was he was with Wait, the Titans. He got the in the fight with word? Andre what's Johnson. What's the famous right? word? Yeah. I'm not sure what what convict. Famous, <laughs> I never said that. Wait, somebody told me that. Court, oh yeah, it was a friend of mine who told me. Look, look, Mac, Cortland, Cortland Finnegan. He he's a convict. Okay. <laughs> hey, he's playing for my defense, and uh, he swept in front of Calvin Johnson at the sideline and took it to the house for 30 yards. So all I'll right, take it. All right. I was going crazy in that game. That game was the game was one of the funner Ram games I've watched in a long time. All right, obviously it's enough about the St. Louis Rams. Let's talk about fantasy football. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week? Plus start them or sit them to help you win your league. And we, we, I would take this opportunity to thank uh, our colleague Alex Smith for doing these promos for us. He's got a really comfortable voice, and that's about all I can say. I feel he's like right next to me, just kind of... Just, just creeping. right behind me, creeping behind me. <laughs> hey, we got some fantasy for you. <laughs> really exciting! I, you know, it's like great. And uh, uh, I, I, you know, I guess we'll we'll talk about the weekly rankings. I'm going to use the ESPN.com rankings. Um, quarterback. Uh, let's see who I like here. Um, I, I'll tell you right now, I don't like RG3 because of how the Rams' defense played last week against Matt Stafford. I think RG3 has a little bit of a down-to-earth game. Can I just go ahead and say Tom Brady against Arizona is, well, is a great matchup. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Yeah, I, I, I don't mean to open up a, a new universe to you, but <laughs> Tom Brady has a good chance to throw some touchdowns against the Cards. Another guy I really like is uh, is Matt Schaub. He's playing against Jacksonville on the road. I, I like him a lot. Martin. There are going to be 31,000 screaming fans in a 65,000-seat stadium. Old, really getting it. Hotel <laughs> Stadium or whatever it is in Jacksonville. I'll take Matt Schaub. Uh, looking at the running backs as my page refuses to load. Um, I have Stephen Ridley in one league. And i got to say, Steve Seminary last week really made me happy. I, I was considering not starting him, but I did over Beanie Wells, who had one point, uh, because the Cardinals decided to use a combination of Larod Stevens-Howling and um, Ryan Williams. That's right. Well, so, Beanie, I have him. He yeah. ended up with, I think, two points yeah. in my league last Terrible. week. Terrible. Very so disappointing. Stephen Ridley is a huge, huge uh, gain at running back. Uh, let's see. Oh, we got Jamal Charles. I like both the running backs in the Buffalo-Kansas City game. Two really rough defenses. Kansas City's defense does return all their starters. C.J. Spiller was the one bright spot last week for Buffalo. Yeah, was, he's going to get all the carries Yeah, now. and now he's getting all the carries. I start him in a heartbeat. I also still like Jamal Charles. Yeah, even though he is giving up, I think, goal line carries to Peyton Hillis which will, I think, suck away a few touchdowns. That's right. That was the problem with Forte. Wide receivers real quick. Uh, I, I love Mike Wallace now that the Revis is out. Oh, I love, I love Des Bryant this week against what, what Seattle. What about Brandon Marshall? Oh, wait. <laughs> Maybe not. Nick Lechurpo on the other side, not very happy. I had him too. He got me a couple points. Um, yeah, Des Bryant, this guy is a is a, a, a monster playmaker in waiting here, and I think this is his year. He's yeah. facing Seattle this week. All right. All right. I, I can live with that. If he if he's your breakout guy, I can live with that. I guess Percy Harvin against Indianapolis wouldn't be bad. I'm trying to, like, go in the middle here. We know the obvious ones. Oh, Jared Cook. Did you see what Jared Cook did last week against no, New England I did not. for Tennessee? This guy is a monster-looking tight end. 
he made some big plays. He made some big plays last week. I'll start him again against San Diego. I also like my boy. My boy, Jacob Tabe, is oh. my boy. Okay, He's your boy? Playing with Peyton Manning again. I have both of them on one team. Oh, got me to win last week on Sunday night. I was, I was pumped. Oh, man, I love second-string tight ends. What? Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Get out of here. Oh. All right, I, you know what? I'm going to let you take this position. Kicker, because it's your favorite. It's your favorite position. Kicker, my boy, my boy, <laughs> your boy, <laughs> Nate Katie, <laughs> ripped up. I think eighteen points last week. I was down because my Bills defense got me minus four. <laughs> Bills, <laughs> of course, the Bills. Uh, I, I'm like, come so, on, you were so high on Buffalo. <laughs> They're facing last week. the Jets. Jeez. Come on, uh, no, Nate Kading racked up like eighteen points, totally. and I think. It's becoming obvious that the Chargers are going to be a field goal team this year. So, <laughs> why not throw them out there against Tennessee? What the hey? How about 63 yards? David Akers. Oh, love him. Can I ask why Philadelphia ever thought it was a good idea to get rid of <laughs> David Akers? I mean, honestly. Because of Steven Hauschka, whatever his name is. Not not working for me. Is there a kicker? Alex, Alexei Henry or whatever his name is? That's not. That's you aren't making a good point here. I hope you know that's not good. <laughs> Real quick, we'll get to the defenses. Houston's number one, and with good reason against Jacksonville, they should have a day. Um, I would see. avoid the Ravens. I would say against yes, Philadelphia. I agree. That's a big, agree. big mistake. I also like Cincinnati. <laughs> You know, Clark actually, in his judgments, asked what month the Browns would get their first offensive touchdown. <laughs> uh, I think it will be September, but I doubt it's this week, which tells you exactly my confidence All right. in Brandon Whedon. A couple more minutes left. Let's get to some picks. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. All right, here we go. These are the these are the games we're gonna pick. We're this the week. crystal ball. Let's see if I can make it to the end of the show. Baltimore at Philadelphia. Philadelphia with a rough game. They still get the win in Week One. Baltimore just took it to to Cincinnati like there was no game left to play after that game. They just dominated. Who do you got? You know, I, this is the year Joe Flacco breaks out. I believe it. I am a believer. Me Philly too. had a bad game. The Ravens destroyed a fairly decent Bengals team. Give me Baltimore. It's so hard because Philadelphia is at home, and I really, I really think Vic has a bounce back game. I'll go with the Ravens. I'll okay. go with the Ravens. Two Ravens on that one. The Sunday night game. We got. We're doing both night games. Detroit at San Francisco. I had the Niners winning the Super Bowl, but. Uh, does Do you Detroit... have them winning week two? Yeah, that's the question. Does Detroit go 0-2? Yes. It's they do. In... If it's in Detroit, I'll say Detroit gets the win. But in the rematch of Mora versus, uh, or not Mora, Schwartz versus Harbaugh. The, the ill-fated handshake. I'm going to give it to to, uh, to Harbaugh, San Francisco. Yeah, and I think there will be a little bad blood on that it, it candlestick here this weekend. And look, I, I said it with Clark. If... The, the 49ers outclass Green Bay and Green Bay. And Green Bay annihilated the Bears. San Francisco, to me, has to be the best team in the NFC, which oh, means without question. they got to be better than Detroit, who had a rough week throwing the football around. I'm going with San Fran. The Monday night game, this is probably the hardest game for me. Mm-hmm. Denver at Atlanta. Clark judged it so much to help me support, to make me start supporting Matt Ryan, but I love Peyton Manning. I, I just love him. I mean... Uh, he's on my fantasy team. That may be the reason why, but he he just really played so great last week. 
The, the, people could look back and say this is the most important game of the year for Denver. I'm going with the Broncos on the road. Okay. Mark it down. Wow. It's, I was so hard. But Guess I'm doing what? It. Me too. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, wow. I'm, going, I'm going with wow. Denver. I'm actually not, surprised that you would do that. It has nothing to do. As I, this music is just making whatever week, I say much every, better. It week. does. Uh, it has nothing to do with the offense. I think it's it's all about how good Denver's defense is compared to Atlanta's. They're okay, but I think Denver has several pro bowlers that make them the team to pick in this matchup. Most important player in this game is Brent Grimes, cornerback for Atlanta, out for the year. Wow. That, that really, really does not help their secondary. No. The Toilet Bowl, Minnesota at <laughs> Indianapolis. One team's got to win, one team's got to lose. Who do you got? <sighs> Sandra Luck at his first win. <laughs> no, a sigh, no. a sigh. Oh, Luck wow. Luck it around decently, but A Adrian lot of people Peterson, are picking Indianapolis. Yeah, Adrian Peterson was actually pretty good first game back. He's he not 100%. But you think he has a pretty good chance to gash up the Colts a little bit. Give me Minnesota in in the toilet bowl, the, the king of all bowl games in the NFL. The Colts are 9-0 and at home against the Vikings. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that every single one of those games was with Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> Which <laughs> doesn't do much for Andrew Luck. No, no, uh, it absolutely does not. AP gets three touchdowns, Vikings win. All right. Now it's time for the upset special. Hopefully we pick different games Hopefully because we as did. of right now, we are equal. We are. We oh. are equal. You made me pick the, the Vikings. I was picking the Colts until you told me about oh, AP. come on. The Rams are home against Washington. RG3 is going to have a rough game. He's going to come back down to earth. I'm not saying he'll throw a couple of picks, but he'll come back down to earth. St. Louis is 1-1 one one after this week. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank all right. you. All right. I'm well, the Rams. Hey, don't let your fanhood get in the way here, all right? <laughs> I'm not. Oh, Romeo, my Romeo. <laughs> there he is. Kansas City. They're facing Buffalo. Give it to Kansas City. That's, Even is that an upset? Yes, uh, it is. A three-point favorite oh, is wow. the Bills. Wow. God, Shocked. God forbid that, that someone thinks that Kansas City is decent, but indeed they don't stink. <laughs> I will say that Romeo's it, Romeo will lead this team because, frankly, I'm a Shakespeare fan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Romeo, my Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo, win. All right. Kansas City, count it. Rams and Browns, let's do this right let's now. Let's do it, the let's game. Let's it out. Well, I game. think the Rams are going to win, so obviously they're going to lose by zero. Or negative. Right, right. I, I can live with negative. Yeah, right. So, I'm. Uh, all right, so, yeah, we'll do that. I'd say the Rams win 22-10. Rams usually so, beat the what? Redskins by a field goal, but I'll say 20-10. They lose by negative So, that's 12. negative. That's negative 10. Negative 20 to 10, I said. Okay. So it's negative 10. Right. Browns are definitely going to lose. Are they home? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, I'll say the Browns lose by 14 points against Denver. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, against Cincinnati. So yeah. combined four. Okay. I'm going to say that the Browns lose to, to the Bungles by four. There's four points. Okay. I say the Rams lose by seven. There's okay. 11. So you got 10, I got I got 10, you got 11. This is The Price is Right. So. Here we go. The Price is Never Right for Mac Rosenberg and Mike Watts. <laughs> and that does it. Second show is in the books just like that. I'd like to thank uh, the guys behind the glass, Nick Legerfo, Julian Etienne, and, of course, Clark Judge for joining us. Did, didn't they have picks? Did they have picks? Oh, yes, they did. Let, Do let's you guys get those, have the music again? Let's get those in. Just uh, the music. Nick we don't says need oh. Baltimore, San Fran, Indy, Denver. <laughs> 
Oh, the Giants. And he picks the Seahawks over the Cowboys. That's a nice episode what? special for Nick. I like that. You, had, you got your what in. I'm glad you did, Mike. What? Baltimore, Detroit, Falcons, Indy, and the Jets for Julian. Thank you very much, boys. Appreciate that. And uh, again, for uh, for Clark Judge, thanks so much for Clark Judge for joining us. Julian and Nick on the other side. I'm, uh, we got Mike Watts sitting over here. Yo. I'm Mac Rosenberg. And uh, this has been NFL Friday for week two. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your football. This has been One-on-One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.